Hey, this is Sam Howells, presenter and producer of The Profile Podcast. Over the next few weeks, we're bringing you these bonus episodes where my colleague Andy Peck chats to the best and brightest experts on Christian leadership. Andy has spent 17 years conducting these brilliant conversations. We're bringing you the very best of them in these special midweek editions of The Profile Podcast. You're listening to The Profile. Christian leadership is not about our egos and agenda, but seeing God's goodness and ways advance for the good of everyone. In the light of the challenges of the last 12 months and the emotional toll it's taken on so many, I thought it would be valuable to look at sustaining ourselves as we lead, aware that sometimes the demands of life and leadership can overwhelm us. So I'm delighted to be joined by Will van der Hart. He's the Associate Vicar at St. Dionys Parsons Green in London. He's also one of the directors of the Mind and Soul Foundation, which has resources that seek to explore emotional and mental health from a Christian perspective, which includes the Mind and Soul podcast on Premier Radio. He's the co-author of The Worry Book, The Guilt Book and The Perfectionism Book, as well as The Power of Belonging. And he's also a giant worldwide coach. So welcome, Will, back to The Leadership Show. Thanks so much, Andy. Great to be with you. Um, I mean, I found your your books of enormous help uh, as they give a kind of rigorous investigation of the topic and a capacity to help leaders think about their own lives. And of course, worry, guilt, perfectionism and belonging are all key areas for this pandemic. And as we look at stress and emotional burnout uh, today. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, these things tend to get exacerbated by um, overextension. So where we might have worried a little bit before or we might have been a little bit perfectionistic in our outlooks before, stress tends to magnify those. So we tend to worry more, we tend to feel more pathological guilt. That's guilt that's not really rooted in sin. Uh, we tend to feel, you know, lean towards more perfectionistic behaviours and also um, ask ourselves more catastrophic questions about our sense, our, our belonging and our place in the world. So it's been a you know, as everyone understands, an extremely difficult season uh, from a leadership perspective in terms of emotional and mental health. Well, I was going to ask you, I mean, have the last 12 months been for you? Have lots of people like me been getting in touch and saying, hey, we need your wisdom? <laughs> yeah, I was just actually writing earlier on to the um, to the, to the directors of our charity, to the trustees of our charity, the Minus Foundation, and just saying, because um, we are sorting out our, our EGM, uh, this month about how overextended we were in terms of the amount of inquiries. I mean, I don't think we've, as an organisation, ever been busier. Um, my colleague Kate Middleton has been, Dr. Kate Middleton's been you know, everywhere. <laughs> and um, both Chi Chi, Rob and I are extremely busy. So, yeah, there's a, there's a hunger for help. I mean, the, the, the silver lining of this cloud potentially is that leaders become more connected to their emotional health needs um, uh, but uh, the, the challenges are, are significant and it's going to take us a long time, I think, for us all to work through um, our reflective response to COVID, not just our immediate and, um, you know, our necessary response. Well, maybe I could start by just kind of setting a few ground rules in terms of, oh, not ground rules, but um, definitions of, of how you see um, the whole kind of normal health for a, for a leader 
Absolutely. I, I think um, or the World Health Organization itself doesn't define mental health or, you know, as, as something which is a set of clinical um, observations. You know, it, it regards issues like our ability to make a productive contribution to society, a sign of our mental health and well-being. It looks at a much more sort of universal markers of, of well-being. And I think within the context of, of leadership, Health is not a, a sort of state of reaching a position whereby we are doing everything right, but it's about having a, a level of self-awareness which enables us to continue the journey towards better leadership and better relationships. Um, I'm very cautious around sort of very defined markers of achievement in leadership because achievement, particularly in Christian leadership, is not marked by our bottom line or by our target achieve achievement. It's marked by our character, our commitment, our relationships, and also is embodied by our well-being. I, you know, don't follow a leader, however inspirational they might be, if they don't demonstrate care of others and care of self. So I think it's really, really important that we recognize that leader health and well-being is is often marked out by reflection and self-awareness a leader who's healthy is a leader who's aware of their blind spots seeking to grow staying accountable working through challenges what leaders are definitely not are superhuman so talk us through the the if you like the difference between the, the 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 general tiredness that some many would feel over this last year called burnout where, where it gets to a more serious kind of category. Yeah, so Andy, I think what the first thing to say is that, is that Christian leaders, by and large, overwork. So, I mean, our experience of supporting Christian leaders before COVID was that they were often in the overstretched state of being. I think polled now probably 10 years ago, EA pastors, 51% said that they were, you know, over, constantly overextended or felt close to burnout. So, so overwork amongst clergy and pastors is common anyway. What happened with COVID is that we then asked those pastors to pivot incredibly quickly, take all their services online when many of them had no experience of kind of digital leadership, and then you know, manifestly change their working patterns and processes, uh, and also deal with the reality of a pandemic for them personally and for their families and friends. And so... You know, we, we, we've asked a huge amount of Christian leaders, um, particularly church leaders, but also leaders in every sphere of influence in society. We've asked a huge amount of ourselves and of one another. And this, is, this has been an incredible challenge. Hooke's Law, if you did GCSE physics, relates to the old springs. That um, you could, How many newtons of load could you apply to the string before it, it stopped returning to its original shape? And a spring without load is not a spring. It's just a coil of metal. A spring has to be under load in order to really serve its purpose and know its identity. Leaders are designed to carry a certain load. Um, and, and this is what we call constructive stress. So a certain level of stress is actually helpful. Constructive stress is being under load and stressed to a level to which you can contract and then rest again. So if you've been working hard and well, you will have enjoyed that work. You'll be tired by that work. But ultimately, when you switch off at the end of the day, you'll be able to switch off. Now, constructive stress is difficult to destructive strain. Destructive strain is, the, is, is when the load becomes so great that the individual no longer returns to their original shape. In fact, often they can't rest. They feel agitated or lethargic. 
It affects interpersonal relationships, become more irritable. Um, it can affect appetite and sleep, become sleepless, overeat or undereat, um, become more isolated, find less interest in socialization, uh, and generally experience more feelings of hopelessness, uh, anxiety, agitation, and dislocation. So there, there are specific if you like, there's a specific moment at which we move from talking about being constructively stressed to destructively strained. And destructive strain is a precursor to burnout. Burnout is effectively when we are unable to function anymore in terms of our leadership capacity because we're so overstretched that we just haven't got the resources available to us to continue. So there is a classic performance bell graph which shows the stress of being understrained and then what we call productive stress, which takes you to the very top of that bell graph. But if you stay there for too long, you move into the destructive strain and overworking zone. And if you stay in there too long, then your performance drops right down to the floor again. And that becomes the burnout phase where you're no longer productive, but also you're unable to recover. And that takes a, that's a long journey out. And I'd say you know, a lot of leaders right now will be able to relate very strongly to the destructive strain zone and some will be able to relate quite strongly to the burnout zone as a direct result of what we've asked them to do over the last 12 months. And and it's worth perhaps adding, Will, is it that, um, that this is not necessarily all negative things? So if, if you were seeing, quotes revival or something really exciting happening in your church, you could still burn out as a result of it. It doesn't have to be all bad stuff. No, absolutely. I mean, there's a there's very interesting uh, stress scale, uh, which was made in 1969, which identifies the sort of stress life points. And um, those points are allocated to over 40 different areas of life. And some of the, the, the greatest stress points are obviously things like losing a child or divorce or you know, serious illness. But there's, there's, there are about 12 different events within the, 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 the 40 plus which relate to a positive event in life. Like getting married is incredibly stressful. Moving house is incredibly stressful. Getting a promotion at work is actually very stressful. Receiving an award is very successful and <clears throat> very stressful. And those things are all um, allocated stress points to them. So just because something is a good and positive experience does not mean it's not a, also a stressful experience. And what we can do very dangerously, I think, as Christian leaders is when things are going well, we take the blessing as an encouragement to keep overworking. So we're like, oh, God has blessed me with this amazing opportunity. Now I've got to kill myself to make that opportunity a reality because somehow God is master over that. So if it's, if it's a God opportunity, we lose all our sense of boundary and we begin to overwork. Uh, and as a result, we can suffer stress and burnout. So leaders need to be as concerned of, about the successful and, and, and positive experiences in their leadership as they should be about the negative and difficult ones. Now, if we, if we have a physical stress on our body, if, if we go for a run and we pull a muscle, it is very evident that we cannot move. And so we, we limp back and, and we have to rest. Um, but it's a bit harder perhaps for people to spot when there is a, a psychological, emotional stress going on in their bodies and you looked at this in the power of belonging and other in others of your books so what, what would be the kind of presumably being around others will be a, a key way in which we can spot whether we're under stress others can help us 
Well, um, yeah, it's a really good point. I mean, like like the scale, um, the Holmes and Ray scale, which I just mm-hmm. mentioned, we, we have to be aware of our our a load, and that's the first thing to do. Is the is the work of preventing burnout begins before we burnt out. Um, so, so Holmes and Ray scale is a, is a helpful tool because they say, well, if you spend over 300 stress points within an 18-month period, you have an 80% probability of a burnout or breakdown. <laughs> so we, we, we can actually, you know, they actually classified these events and saw them demonstrated in a scientific way. If you spend over 150 points, I think you have a 50% chance of burnout or breakdown. So, so what, what you have to do, you have to have a level of, again, as I said at the beginning of this conversation, a level of self-awareness in leadership, which enables you to appraise your experience and ask yourself whether you might be at risk of burnout. So the hard work of leadership health doesn't begin when you break your leg. It begins before you break it. In physical terms, you can't know when you're going to break your leg. But in mental, emotional health terms, you can see the signs well before the emotional event takes place in the majority of cases. The thing about breakdown is it's much, much, much easier to change the flow of your emotional health before you've broken down than it is after you've broken down. You know, a broken arm might take six weeks to heal, but when you really burn out, it's it's a really often a really a two eighteen month to two year process to get your confidence back and recover. So it's not a sort of this isn't a lightweight experience. This is a very serious experience for us to have, and it's one that can damage our careers and our confidence and our mental health. So the hard yards are done in advance of time, and again, Christian leaders are particularly at risk. They talk a lot about accountability. But often they make themselves accountable only to God. And even then they struggle to get down on their knees and pray. So when it comes to accountability, they say, oh, well, I'm, I'm accountable to God. And there's a spiritual harvest. Therefore, I'm legitimized in burning myself out. I've even heard Christian leaders say things like, I'd rather burn out than fade away. As if it's virtuous to mistreat your body and your mind. And presumably, of course, you would look at some of the New Testament examples, Jesus himself, the apostles, um, they certainly, you know, they, they they worked hard at times, but but evident, you know, Jesus himself got away, um, to, you know, to the wilderness places to pray, to be rested. He took his disciples to do the same. The apostle Paul had an itinerant, you know, itinerant ministry, but he, he would have had times of downtime. He'd had times doing his tent making, whatever. So so there was a kind of rounded life that they lived. They didn't burn themselves out. Absolutely. Beginning of Mark's gospel, Jesus is at Simon Peter's mother's house. He heals her. Then she waits on them, and they obviously have their dinner. And then it says, and then the whole village appeared with people who wanted healing and deliverance. And then, you know, it says very early in the morning, whilst it was still dark, dark, Jesus left the house and went up the mountain to pray. Now, what we know about that experience is that the whole village have been outside the house. There presumably are still people outside the house waiting to meet Jesus. Jesus tiptoes out of the house without anyone knowing, (laughs) because then the disciples climb up the hill to find Jesus and they rebuke Jesus and say, everyone is looking for you. And now what's really interesting here is that you think that's quite a shocking scene. Jesus says, actually, I think in the NIV, Jesus slipped out of the house. And I don't think Jesus should slip anywhere. There should be sort of fanfares <laughs> and trumpets and oh. you know, palm branches. But Jesus really escapes that pressurized setting to spend time with God in prayer. And, and it's quite a shocking scene because we'd all say, well, Jesus should hang around and make sure everyone is healed. But Jesus doesn't do that. He curtails his ministry because he has a priority of rest. 
with the father. And even then, he doesn't even accept the rebuke of the disciples. He gets in the boat, he says, let's leave this place, gets in the boat, and the next thing they know, they've crossed, they've crossed the sea. So, you know, Jesus' example is one of emotional health and well-being, but his, Jesus' disciples don't always take his advice. And Jesus forms a lot of his ministry around meals and around walks. Actually, meals are very good for us, and walks are very good for us. Um, what's not great for us is convening hundreds of meetings every day and doing a thousand <laughs> emails. Yeah. So, you know, Jesus, Jesus was the most health, emotionally healthy person to ever walk the earth. I just wish we took a little bit more time to watch what he did and how he did it, because that would help all of us. Sure. No, thank you, Will. Um, so uh, we're, we're obviously recording this at a time when many church leaders, particularly church leaders, will be anticipating, um, you know, gathering again at some point in the next number of months. Um, and there may be folk listening, thinking, actually, I, I'm not feeling in a great shape for this. Um, is it, you know, what would, what would be some of the practical things you would say? I, I imagine you may not be saying anything that leaders listening won't know. And so I suppose I'm also asking the question, given that we know these things, why don't we do them? <laughs> sure. Well, I mean, the first thing I'd say to leaders is, look, the, recognize the trauma you've been through. Like th- this, is a, this is a trauma um, and it, it's a trauma that has five, typically trauma has five stages. We call them five stages of collective trauma response. Mm. They're the impact phase, the heroic phase, the recovery, the, um, uh, sorry, the disillusionment phase, the recovery phase, and then the wiser living phase. So five stages. Okay. And we are only just beginning to move now into stage three, which is the recovery phase. Um, Sorry, yeah. So we've had the impact stage, the heroic stage, the disillusionment stage, the fourth stage, I mean, which is the uh, recovery stage, which is where we're beginning to really recognize how we're doing and beginning to take positive steps for our well-being. And and so I guess I'd really encourage people to just tread very lightly and have very low expectations of themselves in terms of their extension some some Christian leaders I've met have said things like, you know, this is COVID's a great opportunity for the church, or this is a, you know, this is God rebalancing the world, and all, lots of really fantastical statements about, you know, what what the benefits of COVID are. I'd say, look, this is a this is an event that has cost millions of people's their lives, and you know, uh, you know, it, it, it's 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 a shocking event globally. Um, or, you know, if people haven't died, it's cost them their well-being, their livelihood, their commercial interest, their church well-being, and, you know, so many different things. We're impacted on in, in so many different levels here. We need to grieve what we've lost before we can begin rebuilding. And, and I just encourage leaders not to have a sort of, um, you know, not just to run away from COVID with a sort of like, we're going to build back bigger, harder, faster. Let's just learn the lessons of whatever it is that we've experienced Let's try and heal together. And let's be really generous with ourselves. It, it really makes me uncomfortable and nervous hearing the sort of um, kind of flip back narrative of, you know, now we're going to like break through and we're going to accelerate and all sorts of, all sorts of great phrases as if we've had a couple of weeks where we've not been able to do anything. Um, you know, we've been snowed in or something and now, you know, we're frustrated. So we're going to get back at it. This is a major, major life trauma and trauma takes a long time to recover from. Um, And I would really encourage leaders to 
set quite low expectations. I mean, my encouragement here, I'm part of a team here. I work uh, under a vicar called Tim, who's brilliant. And, and we're having a conversation this week just saying, we, we need to look at the summer as a season of rest, not a season of acceleration. We need to be thinking that June, July, and August are going to be quiet months for us as we prepare maybe for a September relaunch, but actually where we look after ourselves and take the rest that we really need. Yeah. Leaders might not have been working in the way that they envisaged that they'd be working, but they've still been working. You know, leaders have been incredibly busy, but not in ways in which they necessarily measure as busy, busy activities or productive activities. But they've been overextended. I mean, I say to people that you've been plugged into an adrenal drip for the past year. No wonder you're exhausted. No wonder your sleep is poor. No wonder you feel listless and agitated. We need time to heal. And this is that time. And of course, some have also been trying to manage a family life. Uh, My wife is a a priest in training. Um, We're trying to share the load. And I recognize that there are, yeah, there's been probably a disproportionate burden of responsibility on 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 females in the home i hope that is changing and that there's a, a burden of equality um but it's it's that extension this is extremely stressful we found it stressful in my family it's not just the stress of homeschooling it's the stress of the anxiety of your own children um it's trying to parent your children well it's trying to support your children's emotional health when they are struggling uh, because of their lack of contact with friends and their lack of ability to play outside. So you know, le- leaders need to think about themselves again holistically, uh, that your leadership as a Christian leader is not defined by your title or your role, it's defined by your application in all settings. So if I'm a, if I'm a good leader, that means I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm parenting to the best of my ability in the home. If I'm a good leader, that means I'm a husband to the best of my ability in my marriage. If I'm a good leader, then I'm, I'm preaching to the best of my ability in the church. But it's not one thing that defines me as a great leader. It, you know, and I'm sure I'm not a great leader. <laughs> I'm working on these different fields of expression of leadership. And that's why, again, it's so important that leaders recognize your extension has been on all fronts. You know, I, I do a lot of coaching, I do a lot of coaching for leadership, but also coaching relationship. And now, I've seen, I've genuinely seen a lot of people's relationships really falter during COVID. Uh, well, I'm sure you would um, recommend that everyone has some sort of mentoring or coaching within their life. Uh, there'll be some listening, perhaps, for whom that's a new idea, and some perhaps even counselling would be a, a newish idea. And they may be listening and thinking, Crumbs, actually, I, I'm not sure. You know, I think I've gone a bit too far in terms of the stress, burnout or whatever, and I need a bit of outside help. What are the kind of things you do in giant worldwide uh, coaching and um, what, what's your kind of advice to people who are wondering about one-on-one work? Well, as you say, I, I, I'm a, a huge advocate of one-to-one coaching, counselling, psychotherapy. Um, you know, I think the key thing is that you know, if we're going to do well in leadership, we can't assume that we can do well alone that there are no badges or prizes or medals for doing it on your own. And, and all of the best leaders in our world today have support. You know, every, every great leader has a great team around him. And if you want to be a good leader, then you need to be accountable to someone. You need to receive advice from someone. You need a sounding board. You need a chance to talk through issues that you happen to be facing. You need to be able to be unburdened as a leader. 
uh, and stay objective. And that requires other people's opinion. So I mean, I, I'm a very integrative and you know, emotionally centered coach. Giant is a fantastic schema. Uh, it's got books behind it, like the five voices and the hundred X leader. So it does a lot of work around personality diagnostic. And I try and coach my clients in line with their own personality profile. We use the five voices model, uh, which is, you know, it's not dissimilar to colors, I guess, if people, quite a few people might have done the colors before. And, and actually what we're looking at is trying to enable a leader to be the best leader they can be to run in their own lane. But, but what, whatever the nature of the relationship, coach or, or counselor, the key thing is that everybody in leadership has someone they can go to confidentially and talk through their life experience. Um, and I think one of the great idols of our world is self-reliance. And uh, it's hugely problematic. It causes all sorts of ills in society. I believe we're called to God-reliance, but God-reliance is not an excuse for a lack of other reliance. You know, Jesus, as you say, he, he relied on the Father, but he had disciples. And, um, you know, every leader, every Christian leader should be reliant on God, but also reliant on those that God has placed around them to be accountable and to receive support. And um, that's a really key facet of successful leadership in my experience. And I've been a Christian leader. I've been an Anglican priest now for, I think, 16 or 17 years this year. I've seen a lot of people crash and I've seen a lot of people thrive. And I could pretty much say without qualification the people who've thrived are people who've received support, maybe not officially counseling or coaching support, but support by being vulnerable and accountable to others. And the people who've crashed have largely tried to go alone, be unaccountable, be unknown by others, and have often either burnt themselves into the ground or made some terrible moral decision that's led them away from Christian leadership. So, Well, Will, it's been terrific chatting with you, and there's been tons of wisdom. I would urge listeners to listen again you can do that online um on the on-demand section because you've um you've given us so much treasure that we need to some of it we need to uh, take out and uh, and and look at again so thank you so much for all that you've shared obviously there's the mind and soul um website that people can go to if they want to learn out a little bit more yeah that's right andy thanks so much for having me on again if, if people want to check us out just mindandsoulfoundation.org or we're on all the social channels at mind and soul uk uh, and i'm also on all the socials just at will vanderhart and uh we'd love to carry on the conversation there thanks andy for what your fantastic show and your amazing ministry of encouraging leaders and all of your wisdom it's uh, hugely appreciated well thank you will that's very kind of you to say bless you you're listening to the profile Thank you, Andy, for bringing us that great interview this week on the Profile podcast. This show is brought to you by the UK's leading Christian magazine, Premier Christianity. If you enjoyed this episode, you are sure to love the magazine, which features news, analysis, opinion on all that God is doing in the UK church and beyond. Check out brand new articles published every day on the biggest issues facing the church and the world at premierchristianity.com. We'll be back on Friday with another in-depth conversation with a leading Christian right here on the Profile Podcast. Join us then.